So this morning, I would like to address, I'm, I'm a topical guy, and I sort of just trust the Holy Spirit to lead me into what to talk about. I, I like the expository for sure, but for me, uh, I, like to, I like to go with what's relevant right now in my life and in our times, and I, I got this word when uh, Jackie asked a week ago, uh, this, this word had sort of been stern in my heart, and so I, I think it, it's from the Lord, and you can be the judge of that. But I want to talk about some of the promises in God's word for this pandemic that is overtaking our globe. Uh, I'm going to talk about God's word, our final authority. I'm so thankful for this place because that's what's preached here, and that's the final authority. And we look to it for all of our guidance and wisdom. I'm going to talk about our, our goal is to daily walk by faith, and then how to increase it. And I'm going to talk about some of the things that are distracting us right now in this time, in this country, in this world. Uh, call them faith busters. And then I'm going to build you up with a whole bunch of scripture, probably, I hope not more than you can bear, but, uh, you know, faith comes by hearing, as we're going to talk about in a minute, and uh, the Word is a faith builder. And so we're going to give you lots of scriptures this morning to build up your faith. And then finally, the, the last section and the longest is going to be on keeping our eyes on the prize and not the pandemic. So that's what we are going to uh, endeavor to cover this morning. First of all, Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is flawless. It's true. It's perfect. It's proven. It's dependable. The final authority is God's word. John 7, 7 17, 7 says, Sanctify them in, thy, in the truth. Your word is truth. That's red letter. I love these red letters now. Uh, that's what Jesus tells us, that his word is truth. Absolute truth. We can depend on it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, uh, in righteousness. All scripture is God-breathed. Our goal every day as we walk with the Lord is to walk by faith. Uh, before we get started here too far into this lesson, you know, one thing for sure during this time when we're all sort of isolated, can't do our normal thing, uh, gather, uh, Laughter is something that is necessary. Laughter, Proverbs says, is good medicine. And so uh, one of the th funny things I've gotten, probably you too, my, my boys, my kids, friends have been sending me stuff. And one of the things that Jerry's in, I hope, Jerry, you're out there listening and got everything working. He's been having trouble with, with uh, connecting. But Jerry Zen gave me this little... Uh, uh, video clip, real short video clip, on what not to trust. You know, right now, a lot of people are trusting in, in doctors and curves and, and uh, models and all kinds of stuff. 
But that's not where we put our trust. We do not put our trust in people. So what do we put our trust in? Can you pull that up, Savannah? It'll be an exercise in building trust uh, between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. You All right, and then everybody fill in. And we're going to ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three. Just relax and fall, okay? One, two, three. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what not to trust in? Don't trust in people. They'll let you down every time. Now, how many things have we been let down in the last few weeks? Things have changed. Don't trust in people. We trust in God. So what is faith? Let's talk about faith for a minute. Faith, as you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the faith chapter, uh, faith is the assurance. And this is the amplified version, which puts in lots of uh, adjectives to help define and describe. Now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. You know, in chapter 11, that's a great chapter of faith. And as you remember, there's a lot of good things that happened to people when they practiced and exercised and, and walked in faith. And then, if you'll notice the last part, there were some bad things that happened to people that did the same. Uh, you remember some of them were stoned, some were sawn in two, they were imprisoned, uh, they were beheaded. You know, bad things happen. So what's the thing with faith? Well, faith is the evidence of things unseen, not necessarily. Can include good things for sure. And it, it all is good, but not necessarily everything this side of heaven is gonna, that's going to happen to us is good. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says we walk by faith not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we know that in Hebrews eleven six, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Our daily, our daily goal is to, to walk in faith and, and to please God, to listen to his voice, obey, and do his commandments as he speaks to us. And it says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. You know, I, I love, we just finished the book of Acts in, in Bible Study Fellowship and studying the life of Paul and, and his journeys. And uh, it was so encouraging to see, so inspirational to look at the life of Paul and that guy was fearless. Man, he had one goal in mind, and that was to please God, to walk in faith and obedience. To, he didn't, didn't matter what, what happened. And you know what all happened to him, about everything that could happen to him uh, happened. So how do we increase our faith? The next portion. How do we increase our faith? Well, Romans ten seventeen. you know the verse well. It says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We build up our faith by you listening to me right now, by you reading your word, by studying it. 
we, list, we uh, have all kinds of uh, social media now to tune into, to draw upon. But it comes from the Word. The Word is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it penetrates as we study it and listen to it and read it. That's where faith comes from. In James chapter 1, verses 22 and 24, there's, there's a couple things that I keyed in on on how to increase our faith. One of them, for sure, is to read and to study and to listen to the word. But the rest of the story, the second part, is the doing part. And in James, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. You know, as the saying goes, talk is cheap. How do we walk? That's the question. Do we walk by faith? And is it evident? You know, there's a saying, you've probably heard it before, that uh, if you were arrested today and accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And one of the places of conviction, surely, uh, are actions. But one of those things that is a very good indicator of how we walk by faith is our giving. And in Malachi chapter 3, Verses 9 through, 11, 9 through 11, I love this Italian prophet, Malachi. That was a joke. Laugh, Levi. Thank you. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing, until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Test me, he says, and try me. You know, tithing is an interesting subject. Tithing, of course, the word means a tenth and God requires that we give. Uh, don't be distracted by that slide quite yet. <laughs> the the uh, uh, It's not up there? Okay, I'm looking at, thanks to you guys back there, Savannah and Jonathan and Carl um, and Rich and Tyler too, for all the work you guys have been doing with all this technology stuff. This wouldn't be possible without them, so thank you very much for, for making this happen and uh, they, I got a TV screen now I can look at. That's why I'm looking at a TV that somebody put back there. So, But that's not what is up there. So I have to ignore what's up there. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> We're all adjusting to this stuff. I hate this stuff. But I love this stuff too. Because I get a chance to share some of this stuff with you. So anyways, uh, in Malachi chapter 3, he's, God's challenging us here here to exercise our faith with our giving. And I want to just thank you people of Calvary Chapel Buell. You know, the board has been 
uh, wrestling with the whole expectation of what's going to happen when people don't gather and we don't have take up an offering and how's it going to work you know we have a budget of uh, I don't know how much Phil three quarters of a million dollars somewhere around there and uh and so we have a lot of money coming in, and when people aren't here, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I can very gladly announce that for the most part, uh, we're at about 80% of our normal tithing. And so, you know, we are not out of the woods by a long shot yet. We have, uh, at the end of the month, we'll have to reevaluate things, uh, the board will, and, and look at what has to happen to balance the budget. Unlike the government, we balance our budget. And uh, we have, hopefully, will not have to make any major cuts, but uh, we have some wonderful people on staff that are willing to sacrifice, and I want to thank them and also the people, uh, you people, uh, that attend here for bringing your tithes and dropping them off or doing it online, uh, and that's what keeps things flowing here. So, so thank you. Thank you for doing that. And my personal testimony on tithing, I don't know how, you know, as I raised my five kids and tried to keep my wife at home so she could, so she could uh, be the, that person in charge at home in my absence. And uh, I didn't make a whole lot as a teacher. And I don't know how we ever balanced the checkbook every month, but we did. But we always put God first and we always gave right off the top. And then we let things fall where they may. And my, my boys can remember whenever we did eat out, which wasn't very much, very often, uh, we never ordered pop. No pop because we, we couldn't afford the pop. We get the pizza, but no pop. So we had, we had to live on a tight budget, but God was faithful. Tithing works. God delivers every time. Okay, let's talk about some of these faith busters. Now, the faith busters, what are some of the faith busters in your life? What are some of the things that challenge you, that, that uh, pull you away from walking by faith, from exercising it? Uh, there are all kinds of things going on right now in our, in our world. Uh, fear, anxiety, worry, depression, loneliness. Uh, we're overwhelmed with circumstances. And, and the big one, dying, you know, the death the death thing is in the news every minute of every hour, you know, where everybody's watching the death curve and, and how many died in Magic Valley, how many died here and there and everything. So what is it that's concerning you today? Because God cares about it. And God has answers for every one of those things that try to rob us of our faith. The first one, again, going back to the importance of, of laughter. My youngest son sent me sent me this video clip and and I don't know if you, can you read the words on that? I can't I can't read them, but it was ironic that in the paper today on the headlines, I don't know if you can see this, but the headlines say fears boost gun sales. And so when I saw this and then I had this cartoon clip. I thought that was a hoot. And uh, people in Idaho like their guns. And if you can't read that, then basically this guy's coming running out of a hospital 
in his, in his gown with a phone in his ear. His sons call him and say, hey, dad, mom's selling your guns. And that's, that was his response. And that evidently is a response of a lot of guys here because I don't know if you've noticed, but there's no ammo in sportsmen's warehouse. All the shelves are empty. They've restricted, you can't buy a gun. I mean, there's no guns available. They've even restricted buying them in some states to, to one a month. And anyways, so fear, that's probably not what most of you guys are fearful of. But uh, some of us guys that love our guns surely consider that important. So, fear. What's the enemy trying to steal from you? Fear is surely one thing that he loves to plant. In Luke ten nineteen, it says, and again, Jesus says to us, And I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy to walk among serpents and scorpions, to crush them. Nothing shall injure you. You know, I have a, a dear friend I've mentioned Mentioned him last time, a low guard who said, would always say that we are indestructible until God calls us home. Well, that's not to say we go out and be stupid and act like some of these snake handlers down in, in uh, down south where they, they play with the, the poisonous snakes and they get supposedly using this scripture, they can get bit and, and not die. Well, it did work for Paul. I just read that in Acts this week, and I think it's chapter 28, where he, he went out to get firewood and grabbed some firewood and got bit by a viper and grabbed his hand. He shook it off, and all the people were amazed because he didn't die. They thought he was a small G. But nonetheless, God has given us authority over this enemy of fear. Hebrews 11, verses 39 through 40 says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. That part from us they should not be made, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. You know, exercising our faith, it comes from hearing, hearing by the word. But it doesn't always end up the way we want it to. Surely as we pray for people, they don't always get better. Uh, We pray for circumstances. They don't always come to pass. But it does work for good every single time, even if we don't see it. Hebrews 11, or uh, 13, verses 5 and 6 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. He says that 365 times in Scripture at least. One for every day. Fear not, for I am with you. I have called you by name. 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's a command for us to trust in him. You know, many other scriptures we could mention. Romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for good to those who believe. And, and Psalm 23, 4 is a favorite go-to scripture. Uh, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
for thou art with me. God is with us, and we need to exercise our faith and look to him, call upon his name. Another fear buster, especially now with uh, sheltering in place, is restlessness, or maybe anxiety, or depression, or, or worry. Uh, so many opportunities. People aren't used to being alone, uh, being isolated. Uh, finally, parents now are experiencing what it's like to be in the classroom, at home with their kids. Right, Savannah? Savannah's shaking her head. You know, I'm not a teacher. I, you know, this, I didn't call. I didn't plan on this. But, you know, uh, it's a whole new environment now. But it's good because we have to look to, to change and look to God to deal with the, that restlessness and anxiety and worry. In Psalm 50, 15, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That's God's promise. He's going to deliver us through these times, whatever it is that's trying to rob you of your faith. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And I love Philippians 4, verses 18 and 19, where Paul is encouraging the, his Philippian friends. It says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And then the all-famous verse 19, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. Understand all the context in this first portion of Philippians 4 uh, is that God gives us the blessing after we have blessed somebody else. There's this principle of giving again, exercising. Our faith grows when we practice giving. Another area, faith buster, uh, depression. They're talking about uh, the consequences of being alone, uh, being isolated. Uh, loneliness is huge right now for many people, especially the elderly that are uh, home alone, that can't go out and visit uh, nursing homes and those kinds of places where people depend on outside uh, traffic to come in and, and uh, fellowship with them, and that can't happen right now. Uh, being overwhelmed with things, losing a job possibly, the unemployment rate, you've heard the numbers. I don't know what it is today. It's over 20, 20 million Americans have lost their job, and it's going up fast. Uh, being overwhelmed can be a fear buster, for sure. I, I remember, uh, oh, probably five or six years ago, I was elk hunting, archery elk hunting up north, and <clears throat> was wrestling with some physical issues and had thyroid issues and some unknown causes of some infection in my, in my jaw and, and just felt lousy, just felt crappy. So I went up to the hills, like, which I love to do, get away, went by myself and went to one of my favorite spots and was sitting there, got up there early, got before daybreak and got to one of my honey holes and was waiting and, and here comes 
some elk, a bunch of elk. And I was about a mile, hour and a, about an hour and a half back in, and I was probably too far away to be packing out an elk by myself. You know, I was probably 65 at that time and, and really feeling lousy uh, physically. Uh, but so anyways, I sat there and I watched the first cow go by and I said, no, I, I better not shoot. I'm just too far away from the pickup. And so I let the first one go by. And then I, the second one walked right in front of me 30 yards away. I said, no, I can't do it. I better not. Third one walked by and finally the fourth one walked by and I couldn't help myself when I shot it. And I said, oh my, what have I done? In fact, I'm not kidding. This is sort of bad, but I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, heal that elk because I don't want to pack it out. I'm too far away. Well, he didn't answer my prayer. It died. And so here I am, uh, almost two hours from my pickup one way uh, with an elk on the ground by myself, not feeling good, and I was overwhelmed, literally. Uh, And just this sense of being uh, overwhelmed and just uh, too much to bear was on me, and so I sat down, and I started speaking out loud the word, Philippians 4.13, you know it well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I didn't believe it, my flesh didn't buy into it, I had a huge day, and to top it off, I ran out of water, and it was fairly warm, so things weren't looking good, but I kept quoting it, I got, I got them all dressed out, took care of it, and I uh, got the first load out, uh, but I had three more loads to go, so that's two hours each way. You can do the math. Um, I didn't get them out that day, obviously, but I eventually, over a two-day period, uh, God gave me the strength, and I found some water, and, and I got my animal out. But the point is that we have to call upon his word. His word gives us faith. When we Speak it, we build our faith. Speak the word out loud. In Psalm 43, 5, it says, David's saying, he was up and down like a yo-yo. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, and I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And here's another faith-building activity. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Do you need faith? Sing, sing to the Lord. Lots of times when I uh, get down, get in an attitude, feel sorry for myself, if my body's hurting, which is every day now almost, uh, you know, the pain sort of takes over and uh, you you can get down pretty quick, especially when you're alone and and so I have some favorites on my computer, some favorite songs and and lots of times I'll just click on one of those and listen to it and sing. And the songs that are scripture to me are the most powerful. 
And in Habakkuk chapter 3, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk is speaking to himself. I'm going to choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. You know, sickness is a huge thing right now. Uh, the number of patients in hospitals uh, is large. I don't know if it's actually any larger from what I've heard individually, personal testimonies of nurses and friends. and uh, It's not actually, in most places, any higher than usual. But nonetheless, sickness is on the forefront of everybody's mind now. So how do we respond to that faith buster? Sickness. Well, Psalms 43 says... The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. In that, the context of that verse, in verse 1, it's talking about those who are kind to the poor. But he still, God promises us that he will restore us to full health. Jesus said, I would that you prosper and be in good health. And we are going to have good, perfect health someday. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But that's the promise that we have. Psalm 107, 19 and 20 says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word, and he healed them. Notice the vehicle of healing. It's his word. We speak the word. We sing the word. We exercise the word. And he sends out his word, and he heals us. I've experienced that just by singing. And by speaking the word, a whole change in attitude. James 5, verses 14 through 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, we put this slide up at the end uh, with all the elders' names and phone numbers. You know, and I just want to leave that up there for a second because uh, I haven't had any calls. And I just encourage you, and I know the other elders would do the same. During this time, we can't call you forward and anoint you with oil, but we can pray for you over the phone. And that's a powerful, powerful faith builder. And it's a command to do that. Call us if you have any need whatsoever, and we will pray with you and increase and encourage you. Okay, lastly, we're getting into the big one here, the big D word. The fear of death. You know, I don't think I've ever heard that word talked about as much as I have the last three or four weeks. Again, every 
Almost every paragraph has, in it, has that word in it uh, on the news now. How's your perspective on death? It's interesting when you bring it up. I have experiences of bringing it up with family members. Uh, and you, sometimes they say, oh, no, I'm not ready. I've got things I've got to accomplish here. And uh, I have one family member, one friend uh, that uh, you bring it up and they change the subject right away. Uh, death is one of those things uh, that uh, scares people. It can be fearful of dying. Uh, even Billy Graham said, you know, and he, he preached it. He never thought dying would be so difficult in his latter years, the last year of his life. The journey there is, is the thing that's fearful, of course, not the, the event itself once we're there. But death has to be dealt with. I love John Piper's devotional that he gave. This was actually... Uh, the end of the year, but he has a devotional called Death Rehearsal. Death, D-E-A-T-H. Death Rehearsal. And at the end of every year, instead of watching the ball drop at Times Square, he ponders his life that year. And he asks the, the Lord to bring to remembrance anything to him that he did not do well or that he needs to change for the new year coming in. Listen to what he says. I'll just read one paragraph. You can Google it. Death Rehearsal is the title of the devotional by John Piper. But one paragraph says this. I suppose for some of you, the thought of dying is so morbid, so gloomy, so fraught with grief and pain that you do your best to keep it out of your minds, especially during the holidays, or I might add pandemics. I think that is unwise and that you do yourself a great disservice. I have found that there are few things more revolutionizing for my life than a periodic pondering of my own death. When's the last time you pondered your own death, thought about it? I know one time at my men's group, I went around and asked the guys, what do you want on your, on your gravestone? What do you want to be put? What do you want to be known for? I, I, got a, I got mine picked a long time ago. Actually, I stole it from James Dobson. And on my gravestone, I wanted to put, I told you I didn't feel good. What's your going to write? What are they going to say about you on your tombstone, in your obituary? Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says, a time to be born, and there's a time to die. We are all, unless we're one of the two or three lucky ones like Enoch or Elijah, I think it was, that never experienced death, they just got taken up, we're going to die. Death and taxes, two things for sure. And boy, the taxes are going to be going up. In our life, after the money that the government has been spending, there is a lot to talk about when we face the subject of death. How are we going to respond to that? How are we going to exercise and walk in faith during it? Our future glory 
is where we look. God has dealt with death already. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 15 through 57, it says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? Do you believe that death has been swallowed up in victory the way you're living and feeling and acting right now? Psalm 118.17 says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. For if we live, Romans 14.8, for if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That was surely Paul's mind. He was fearless. It didn't, nothing seemed to, I'm sure he had his moments for sure. Can't imagine some of the things he went through in prison and on that ship in the storm. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was, he was challenged for sure in his faith. But his words spoke the promises of God. He didn't fear dying. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizen, we're not in this world. We're, we're of it. I mean, we're in it, but we're not of it. Jesus said that, told us that our citizenship is in heaven. And we are to keep our eyes on the prize as we walk through this pandemic. Keep our eyes on the prize. The prize is not living a, a, a good long life and having all the toys that we can accumulate uh, that's not the prize. In Matthew twenty-five thirty-four, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Have you pondered that thought? Jesus said that he has been preparing this home for us since the foundation of the world. That's a long time. Before he spoke the world into existence, he planned for us to spend eternity with him. And I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty nice home. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let my father's house, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I have told you, that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. He has gone to prepare a place for us. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. When you get a little bit anxious or worried or fearful or restless about where you're at right now, consider, ponder the fact of what Jesus is doing right now 
among many other things. He's working on this home that we're someday going to occupy with him. You know, I don't think there's a, you know, there's five-star hotels out there, but I have a feeling the one he's preparing is more like a 10-star, perfect 10. A couple weeks ago, some of you might have seen the obituary in the paper. I, I always read obituaries uh, because uh, <laughs> I want to know which one of my friends just died. I'm in that high-risk group they talk about. Um, last, last quarter of the game, bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, full count, nobody in the bullpen. Well, that would be us. Uh, we joke about that in our elders meeting, Jonathan. But, uh, you know, we're in the last phase of our life. I am. And you might be too as far as that goes. None of us know. But there was an obituary a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a friend of a friend, a friend of a good friend of mine, uh, Cliff Payne. I don't know if you knew Cliff. You might have crossed paths with Cliff. He was a counselor, assistant pastor at uh, Heritage Alliance. Jim Evans' assistant. Great guy. Good, a great counselor. Well, he came out, he came in one Saturday, he just walked in the house and dropped dead right in front of his wife. Total surprise. Uh, not totally a surprise because he had heart issues in his family, but he was healthy one minute and he was in the presence of Jesus the next. And the family came to Twin Falls to try to wrap things up, and, but of course couldn't have a funeral or anything. So his son, uh, I think his name is Isaiah, uh, wrote something on Facebook, and, and uh, my friend Dave Moore gave it to me to read. And I want to just read one paragraph that he put about his father that passed away very, very suddenly. And this, uh, this is uh, Isaiah's paragraph. It says, Last Saturday, after hearing of Dad's sudden passing, I sat down with my sons. My five-year-old Ezra asked, Daddy? Why are you so sad? After explaining to them what happened, Ezra looked at me and said, But Dad, why is that sad? He gets to be in heaven with Jesus. Papa's lucky. Out of the mouth of babes. Shouldn't that be our perspective? We are going to be actually lucky when we die and go to heaven. Second Corinthians chapter five. We're going to jump down to Second Corinthians chapter five and and just read the first and the sixth verse because it talks about our heavenly dwelling. If you haven't got picture, I'm trying to fill you so full of the word, the good word of faith, that there is nothing can separate us from the love of God and and ultimately Him and His presence. But it says in verse five, for we know that if the tent that is, our earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then in verse 6 it says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. I, had a, I heard a sermon one time. A pastor was started, uh, started his message and he asked the congregation to raise their hand. How many of you want to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand. And he says, how many of you want to die? And funny, look, <laughs> Levi raised his hand. Good, Levi. Oh, Jonathan too. 
Uh, but yeah, getting there is the challenge, isn't it? That whole thing of walking out our life, the journey home, is a challenge. But God has given us the victory. He's given us his, his word. He's given us friends who can pray with us and come alongside us and walk with us. And just imagine for a moment what it's going to be like when we see him face to face. Have you thought about that? What are we going to see? Who are we going to see? Now there's a message. His presence. What's that going to be like? It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be more than we can imagine. I had... Uh, I guess it was the privilege. It's probably the hardest thing I ever had to do. Uh, I did my mom's memorial service when she passed. Um, heavens, it's been three or four years now. And boy, I tell you what, I I wrestled through that. It was very difficult. My family gathered. She she was 90 years old, and it was expected. And she lived a long, happy life, uh, a very miserable last six years, but she was a wonderful mother, and I had to do her service, and boy, it was really, really tough, and I, I don't know if I'll make through this, make <laughs> even now, but, but uh, what God gave me for her service is what I want to give you uh, in closing today. And that is the hope that we have in death and dying. We've read the scriptures and we have that promise. I think of many great men of faith that went before us and surely one of, a, one of them was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Tremendous man, a, a pastor, a martyr, a prophet, a spy who was killed for his faith. Uh, and he wrote this, and this is what I read at my mom's memorial service no one has yet believed in God and the kingdom of God no one has yet heard about the realm of the resurrected and not been homesick from that hour waiting and looking forward joyfully to being released from bodily existence whether we are young or old makes no difference what are 20 or 30 or 50 years in the sight of God and which of us knows how near he or she may already be to the goal. That life only really begins when it ends here on earth. That all that is here is only the prologue before the curtain goes up. That is for young and old alike to think about. Why are we so afraid when we think about death? Death is only dreadful for those who live in dread and fear of it. Death is not wild and terrible. If only we can be still and hold fast to God's word. Death is not bitter if we have not become bitter ourselves. Death is grace, the greatest gift of grace that God gives to people who believe in him. Death is mild. Death is sweet and gentle. It beckons to us with heavenly power if only we realize that it is the gateway to our homeland. The tabernacle of joy. The everlasting kingdom of peace. How do we know that dying is so dreadful? Who knows? 
whether in our human fear and anguish, we are only shivering and shuddering at the most glorious, heavenly, blessed event in the world. Death is hell and night and cold if it is not transformed by our faith. But that is just what is so marvelous that we can transform death. Death has been defeated. The very last enemy that Jesus destroyed was death. And I'd like to end uh, this morning with uh, Anthony Ev- Tony Evans, The Mercy Tree. That's okay. We sing this song, you'll recognize it. On a hill called Calvary, there stands an endless mercy tree. Every broken, weary soul, find your rest and be made of blood that stain its frame shed to wash away our shame from the sky's pure love released salvation by the mercy tree
Father, we just thank you. Lord, we are so blessed to be called your children, to have the promises that you've given us in your word. Lord, I pray for your people this morning, those that are sick, those that are anxious or restless or worried. Lord, even those that have, uh, are facing their deathbed, Lord, encourage them with your word. Send your Holy Spirit to, to lift them up. Father, help us all to keep our eyes on the prize. Lord, to exercise that faith every day, every moment of every, every day, to remember what you have done and what you have accomplished through your sacrifice. Lord, I just think of the, the verse in Hebrews 12 where, where you tell us to fix our eyes on you. And for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. You did that for us. And for everything that we're going to be going through until we see you face to face. I thank you for that, Lord. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen.